0: Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. This is episode mm-hmm. 55. I'm your host, Carter E. Of course, we've got a bunch of wrestling to talk about today, along with basketball. <laughs> Also, some World Cup we were just watching here on uh, Monday morning. Uh, Apologize to any uh, Japanese soccer fans. They are now eliminated, thanks to Croatia. Uh, But before we get into any of that, I would like to quickly discuss a little realignment um, that we saw from last week. I know we teased it two episodes ago. Didn't talk about it last week, kind of coming into the the week of the meeting. But uh, to be honest, you didn't really miss much. Uh, Could. I'm glad I could save people seven hours of their time by making the, make sure they don't have to watch that meeting. Um, here, here, I guess here's the, the changes Sierra Lutheran will be in class two a next year. Um, I don't think that comes as much of a surprise to anybody in the Sierra Lutheran uh, athletic administratory positions. I think that was what they were expecting. They petitioned to stay in one a, but, uh, that didn't happen, so they will move up to 2A next year. Sounds like the only team that will really complicate anything for is football. Football was at the eight-man level uh, this past fall and has been at the eight-man level. They only had 10, 11 kids on the roster last year, so they're not going to be able to play at 11-man football, assuming, right, this is all assuming you have a similar turnout to what they had this year. Um, so from the sounds of it and from talking to Sierra Lutheran Athletic Director, Billy McHenry, They will go independent in football, meaning they will not have a postseason, but will still go back to the eight man level um, and they will get to pick their schedule. So they won't be forced into playing any of the powerhouse eight man teams that that are up here if they don't want to. It's going to be entirely up to them. Um, So there's some official stuff. So, so I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. So they have to set their whole schedule. There's no league, quote-unquote. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing with, with being independent. And I know you and I have talked about, you know, once you take away a, a playoff opportunity, your selling point for the sport I do think takes a, a hit for sure, especially with uh, – I mean, selling the selling point for football already is taking hits, whether you're independent eight-man or running class 5A or – you live anywhere in the U.S. Um, I don't. I don't have any statistics to back that up, but I would imagine numbers across the country for high school football are probably not trending upward. So uh, I think that's a pretty pretty safe bet there. But um, the Falcons will see a lot of new opponents next year. That's the thing about jumping from one um, A to two A. You know, with what we're going to talk about here in just a second with the four A five A decision in the north. Everybody will still be, for the most part, playing the same opponents. That won't change much. But uh, for Sierra Lutheran, it, it changes a lot as to who who's local, who's not. Um, of course, you know you can still play non-league games against uh, teams in different classifications. But the Falcons will be in, in 2A uh, next year for fall sports. I imagine when we do this for winter sports and for spring sports, they will be following a similar path there. But uh, I will not get too far ahead of myself there um we do have a couple of teams in northern nevada in the biggest classes that opted to stay for instance hug football will be in 4a or 5a whatever they decide there um and then boys and girls soccer will stay up as well whereas everything else will drop to 3a north valley's boys soccer will stay up in 4a 5a everything else will drop to 3a and then i believe from what i wrote it was wooster who will drop to 3A and everything except boys' soccer, where they will stay, 4A, 5A. And, of course, I'm saying 4A, 5A because they did not make a decision on the class 4A, 5A realignment classification in the first meeting. There's a lot of discussion about it, Um, some pretty passionate discussions at one point of just, you know, this has been talked about for a while, and for whatever reason, it seemed like there were a couple... Uh, Vegas reps in the meeting that were supposedly caught off guard by the whole thing and said they weren't anticipating um, these this proposition, if you will, that the, the NIAA put forward. And, you know, it felt like the meeting was moving along until they hit kind of around that point. Northern Nevada uh, 5A commissioner Bob Levitt came in and actually stood up in front of everybody and um, gave a pretty – as I said, passionate speech about really the 4A, 5A discussion right now is for fall sports, right? This is all all fall sports. We're, we have to do this all over again, like I said, for winter and spring. But just now for fall sports, football, girls' soccer, and tennis. Those are the three sports that they have mathematically looked at through their rubric, through their math, through their analysis. Those are the three sports where the competitiveness level is not at the level of the highest in the South, right? That five, a South just dominates. We know that for football. We've seen it in girls soccer and they've won every title since 2010. And we don't talk about tennis a lot on the podcast, but it's, it's pretty obvious on the tennis side of things too. I mean, they, the top teams from the North went down to Vegas and just, got absolutely steamrolled this year which is again no offense to anybody in the north just kind of how it is at this point and that's why they're doing this right i think i I do think you know as frustrated as people get that these decisions seem to lurch and stop and start and take their time but ultimately the point is to make it more competitive and i do think that's something that's missed by people because i know I had a lot of people tweeting back at me during that meeting, um, you know, that the logic didn't make sense and so and so can hang with so and so, just look at this result. And yeah, you can, you can make those arguments, but when you're looking at one result, right, they've. The NIAA put together results from every North South interaction in these sports from, from the last two years, and the South's won them all, other than the exception of like one game. I'm talking. Football, soccer, and tennis combined. Uh, girls, just girls, soccer. But really, talking about three sports here. That meeting will continue Wednesday. Um, I did note in, I guess, the the opening paragraph of my story this weekend was a little, a little bit of a of a column because it did it felt a little more opinion. the more, I went back and read it. Um, yeah, people are frustrated that this process didn't come with a result, but. I mean, really, the more you think about it, the timeliness of this decision isn't necessarily important, right? Whether they made the decision last week or this week isn't going to affect next fall. It doesn't, the schedules don't change. Nobody's sitting here. I mean, maybe the ADs are, I could be wrong there, but you know, for the, for the rest of everybody, nobody's sitting here going, we're trying to make the schedule now, right? We need to know now and people want to know now, but getting it right is ultimately the main, the main thing here. And if you, we're talking about competitiveness. The point is to get it right. And so that's where I do think the issues come because the, the math said it, the numbers said it, it was the, it's the realignment proposal that the NIA double has been running with since two years ago when they first split everything the way they did. The numbers were there. I don't understand why it had to take an extra week, but I guess if it's going to take an extra week and they're still going to get it right, then as I said, timeliness doesn't matter, but it, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit here. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a there's a connect all the time between the North and the South on the NIAA board, and I don't think that will shock anybody, me saying that. Uh, and I do think that's where some of the frustration comes in and where some of the, the, the North folks were pretty adamant. Like, look, we've got the numbers. We've played the matchup. Sure, they could have played more. There could be more numbers. There could be more results. But I imagine the results we have are going to be pretty similar. And they are. I... I mean football, we, we've seen it the only, the only win in the last two years between the North and the South was Minogue beating Reno or beating Las Vegas, excuse me and Vegas is a 4A school. And we saw Minogue against 5A schools didn't go well, at least the Gormans of the world. Um, and Gorman's still going to be a problem, right? This doesn't fix the, the Gorman issue, but for the North it does pull that out. Um, and I had somebody tweet at me saying, you know, why does anybody in the South care about what benefits the North? And I said, well, any, any title the North wins directly takes one away from the South. That's, that's exactly why they care. It's, there's a reason why 4A went to its own classification in the first place just in Las Vegas is because it, that, there's a state title for you right there, even if you are only playing against Las Vegas teams. And so now they're trying to figure out, where the North might be able to get some state titles, and maybe the South doesn't want that. So anyways, Wednesday we will have more. Be sure to check that out online at www.nevadaappeal.com backslash news backslash sports. Uh, it's it's an easy subject to get get down a rabbit hole on because it's just so monotonous with some of the language and, like I said, the math that people really don't want to care about. And I don't know the the ins and outs of the rubric math but you can see the results and you can see the way they've listed every single meeting between schools from southern nevada and northern nevada and there's nothing else to say i and i think that's where the frustration some of it stems from where they can't make a decision because what is there's no it doesn't seem like there's other facts to present it seems like the the numbers are there the facts are there let's move forward
1: I'm I'm a little surprised in the whole thing because I I thought when they introduced this a couple of years ago everybody was on board with it and we would readjust after two years and four years and six years well we're not even to year three yet and everybody's up in arms about it yeah and give it a chance
0: yeah and y- you know those that that's the whole thing you, as you said readjust realign this was never going to be perfect they were never going to have this figured out in two years um, and I do think. The issue right now is that initially the biggest classes in the north wanted or the biggest schools in the north wanted to play in 5A, wanted to compete against the best, and it very quickly realized, at least in certain sports, it's not it's not feasible. And that's again, not a knock on anybody around here. Just sometimes you have all-star teams playing in the south versus public school teams up in the north. You just Carson City gets to pick from the kids in Carson City, and Bishop Gorman can recruit from any of the fifty states in the U.S. It's just they're not on the same level, so yeah, there, this was never going to be a perfect system. It was going to it was going to make people upset. They were going to realign. This was always going to happen. It's going to continue to happen every two years. Teams are going to move up and down. That's the whole point. The whole point is to make it, it competitiveness a fair competitive environment, and so I think that's where the as I think I've already said, that's where the frustration stems from that there is these facts, there are these numbers that this is the way it should be in these three sports in the North, or four sports if you do boys' and girls' tennis, but they, they're combining them for the sake of this argument. But football, girls' soccer, and tennis should be in 4A in the North. That's what the numbers say. And the fact that that didn't get through is – is personally where I would see some of the frustration from and where you saw some of the frustration from, I think, some of the northern officials in, the, in that meeting is just trying to make their point that if they're not going to move down, what was the point of doing realignment in the first place? Uh-huh. So anyways, we'll have more on that, like I said, this week coming out in the newspaper. More on that, I'm sure, next week once this is all sorted. But uh, I guess there's my take on it, if you will. Moving over into the winter sports side of things where, of course, we had our first wrestling meets of the year. Uh, I know a lot of schools went out of town for some of these openers. Um, I just got a couple results here from the Carson side of things where they were up in Lowry. They lost to Lowry Blue 54-30, beat um, Lowry Gold 51-18, lost to Fernley 52-27, lost to Spanish Springs 67-6. And then beat Fallon, uh, 42-42, but on the tiebreaker. Uh, Dominic Porter at heavyweight went four and zero. Lucas Wold, returning uh, state runner-up, went four and one at one hundred and thirty-two pounds as well. Uh, Jesse Olivia went three and two at one oh six for Carson. Uh, for those of you who don't follow the the wrestling scene, those midweights have changed um, for this year. We're not doing the same weight class system there's still 14 weights that hasn't changed but the number itself on those weight classes has has changed for instance now there's a 144 weight class and then 150 um and then 175 and 190 which is a little different than the um 170 182 last year i won't run through every single change because i think it'll get confusing just saying you know 12 numbers in a row over a uh, audio medium as opposed to maybe something more visual but some of those weight classes have have mixed around a little bit which is gonna make things interesting for all those mid 80 pounders where they're gonna have to decide do i want to cut down to 175 or do i want to go up to 190 um so
1: is this a is this a wrestling federation thing or is this a high school this thing?
0: is an niaa thing oh, these these weight classes were changed a while back, and so that's what they had decided they for to the for, new this, ones. for this season. Correct. Okay. Um, so yeah, it does it does change things up a little bit there. Um, Carson High will have will fill out all fourteen weights this year for the first time in a while, um, which I know Nick Redwine, their head coach, was pretty excited about the Douglas wrestling team. Uh, now that girls wrestling is officially recognized by the naaa not sanctioned. There's a difference. I'm not going to explain that today, but. Uh, I've already ranted long enough on (laughs) random NIAA distinctions, but uh, the Douglas uh, wrestling team not only brings back, you know, a lot of the the talent they had last year also has sounds like quite a few girls out for the team this year. Uh, I believe Carson has three. He uh, red wine was said he was expecting more, but you know, you work with what you got and um, now they do have to have some different scheduling with, uh, you know, girls going to girls tournaments and, uh, of course, like I said, with it being recognized, there is a girls' state tournament this year, state wrestling tournament in Winnemucca. Um, so we will see how how that shakes out. But that wrestling uh, season is underway here in the north, and um, should be should be fun to watch. There's, you know, I mean, you heard it from the scores there. Spanish Springs is spanish springs and um nick Redwine gave a uh, an interesting quote where he said you know they've been at the top for so long somebody's got to beat them and it might as well be us so there you go uh, it's gonna start by having a full lineup though that is i mean in, in duels if you if you don't have somebody in a weight class you're giving away six points right away and six points is the max for each weight so you know you're falling behind and you know, as Nick said, they only filled out nine weights last year, so that'd be thirty points they were leaving on the table last year. That they at least have a shot at potentially swinging the other way this year. So, a lot of a lot of good stuff there to watch for um, the wrestling side of things. Carson wrestling preview is online. The Douglas preview will come out this Wednesday in the Nevada Appeal. Over to basketball, where the Douglas Boys team sits at two and two after starting the season with a two-point win over reno and a five-point win over birmingham uh, and then two losses to folson and vacaville uh, that folson team went on to beat spanish springs as well so that folson team from california seems pretty solid uh, they handled douglas pretty good 73 36 ended up beating spanish springs by just 10 so you, i guess you, i'll let you draw as the listener draw conclusions on where you feel uh those two teams stack up based off of early common opponents but Yeah, Douglas sits at 2-2 after those results there. For those of you who didn't catch that Reno game on Tuesday of last week, I know that was just after we finished taping the podcast, but uh, Reno had a shot to win it. They had a good look at three as the clock was expiring, and it just didn't fall. So Douglas starts the year 1-0 in league play. They get Damani Ranch here Tuesday or tomorrow night at home. So one more league game there but, yeah, 2-2 two and two for the Tiger boys so far uh, this season. The Douglas girls are now 1-3. They picked up a win this weekend over Spring Creek. Um, I'm not seeing a result from the friendly match, so I'll have to check in on that. I believe they are supposed to play two games on Saturday, so just seeing one. Uh, they fell 53-36 to Reno in the league opener and then fell to defending 3A state title uh. 3-A defending state champs, Lowry, 64-47, um, before playing Faith Lutheran from Vegas and following 56-37. So one and three, you know, you can take that as you will, but those are three really tough tests for, for Douglas to start the season. And that's coming without having a, a senior leader um, on the floor in, in Camden Miller and trying to adjust to having quite a new fresh quite a new few fresh faces on, on that varsity lineup. So uh, this will be a big week for for both basketball teams as uh, we kind of see, again, kind of start seeing where they might shake out with with teams in the north. Um, the Carson boys team is 1-1 one one after a 66-32 loss to Bishop Minogue to open league play. Of course, I believe we talked about that 78-58 win over Worcester last week to... Open the season for Carson, and on the girls' side, Minogue won 64-17. Not seeing any results from this weekend, so don't have anything to report just yet there. Carson will take on Spanish Springs at home tomorrow night. Um, Could be an interesting game on the girls' side. We'll see where the boys stack up, given how that uh, Minogue game went. I guess we're all kind of curious to see what that Spanish Springs team boys' team looks like, given they had some... Uh, some star caliber younger players last year, but also some, some pretty impactful seniors. So we'll see kind of where things shake out there. But otherwise, that's kind of what we've got this week. Like I said, a big big week of home games here as we enter into December and uh, winter sports realignment will be later. We still got, this is all this realignment talk was just for fall. So we get to do this two more times um, once we, we get there. Jeff. World Cup updates.
1: The U.S. is out. The
0: U.S. is out. I guess can't be too surprised given who they were playing in the round of 16. I mean, they got beat,
1: but. So, my frustration with the U.S. team is exactly what we witnessed in this game. It's you play the game for 90 minutes, and that's. And now they're making sure that we're actually playing 90 minutes with the extra uh, the stoppage time. But we're, we're standing around watching them run down, run down the field and be open in the box and guess what they're gonna find that guy and they're gonna score bang 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 three goals we're done go home that's been my frustration for
0: 25 30 years Well, to be fair to the the US men's team and none of them are listening to this podcast so I don't think I really you know need to go out of my way to defend them here but the Dutch were a top 10 team in the nation in the world this was. They were The U.S. were the underdogs here through and through. Absolutely. But they were. But. 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 <laughs>
1: but. We, we played very well. But, you know, you, you make – it doesn't matter what the mistake was. They were mistakes. You did not do your job, and they scored. Yeah. That's what world-class teams do. So, I mean, it, it's great that we got to play them and – The whole world is saying, you know, they played well and blah, 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 but they made some mistakes and those mistakes cost them. Well, you can't make those mistakes. Brazil is not going to make those mistakes today. Yeah, I don't think that's a fair comparison just yet.
0: We're not. We the, got it. I understand that's the that's the goal, right? But well, you, you got to push yourself towards something. But we've been pushing ourselves towards something your entire life. Hey, hey, they didn't even make it four years ago, so you got to start I, somewhere. I, there's well, you, there's building blocks here but, along the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Lots, lots of lots of good stuff there, though. It's been it's been a ton of fun to watch. Um, I've done my best to watch it under the context of everything else that's going on. I know that's been a big discussion because the ratings are still up, and I know that that does worry uh, people because it means that people necessarily aren't paying attention to all the other things that happened. And uh, I hope that's not the case. I hope people listening to this do understand that this World Cup should not be there. And there are ramifications for
1: her. it's very interesting looking at other countries and how they're covering it and how Fox is getting criticized for how their lack of yeah. saying something or, or using it as a pulpit to, to make a political statement.
0: And, uh, and yeah. while the Olympics hasn't proven to be at the same level of corruption at, as FIFA has proven, I think we're all, And by we, I mean the world is all kind of looking around going, is it time to stop putting these major events where you have to build all these brand new stadiums and people got to die for us to build them just for everybody to leave in five weeks and then to never be used again? Is it really worth putting it in all these other places? And I promise I'm not sitting here saying that the World Cup doesn't belong in the Middle East. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that when you put them in these small countries where 6,500 people die working on the stadiums, and that's a, just a ballpark estimate from w- world officials, along with the fact that these stadiums are probably not going to be used again once the World Cup's over. Well, some of them being torn down. Which yeah. It's a, it's a fact. That so. we, we
1: know they're being torn down. What I find interesting is quite a few years ago now, South Korea and Japan hosted. It was a dual host thing and which was the first time that that had happened. And now we're going into 2026. Now there's three nations. And geographically, from (laughs) somewhere up in in Canada somewhere Mm -hmm. to Mexico City, because you can guarantee there's going to be games in Mexico City. Yeah, That's a long haul. It is, yeah. And I think the locality of what they've seen in Doha, everything is close. Mm -hmm. I think the logistics have been preferable. But like you said, they built 6 stadiums and it's a fact that they're tearing some of them down. Well, most places don't have the money. There's some of those uh stadiums that were built in Brazil
0: that are just empty. Yeah. And there's Olympic stadiums built in Russia that are yeah. empty and that's Russia. Like yeah. I, I understand they're fighting a war right now, but you know, that it's still it does come from a a place of I don't want to say American exceptionalism because I don't want to sound that arrogant, but there are definitely countries built to host these types of events, and there's That's countries what, that are I'm not.
1: very curious how the and, and the U.S. is a little. Let me see. North America is a little strange to me to to pick to be the first tri nation host because there's there's nations that have a lot of soccer stadiums. You know, you could go Germany, France, Spain, Germany, France, England. There's tons of soccer stadiums right there. Logistics are already in place. You know, people fly all over Europe every day, all the time. But we're going to be the first that three nations are hosting. I'm curious how that's going to be received. I realize that a lot of people just want to come to North America in general to to visit. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious if that's going to be the model going forward and having, you know, a regional where they don't have this situation where they're tearing down stadiums after and – you know, the, the whole death thing is just fighting.
0: Yeah, um, it's, it'll be interesting to see how I guess the whole process moves forward with these multi-country bids, because I think that very well could be the the way of the future. Um, because it will while it will add travel for fans and players, it will significantly cut down on uh, potential humanity <laughs> yeah. uh, outrage and uh, other issues there. But I
1: don't, and I don't, I'm curious with, with Europe, you know, I'm assuming
0: that the next one will either be South America or Europe. Wasn't Saudi Arabia making a pretty big push for 2030? Again, we're talking eight years in advance. Well, and I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, I have some reservations about, you know, how many times is it going to be, and now with the whole world watching and, and all the corruption that happened and on how, uh. Qatar got it in the first place, so now it's going to be very scrutinized. And we
0: haven't even addressed what they're doing to media folks out oh, there. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, when I was I was talking with Adam this morning, where's Budweiser in this whole thing?
0: You know, well, they, they've they changed they changed alcohol sales 24 hours before the first kickoff. Well, his point was you haven't seen any ads on TV. Oh yeah. And yeah. you
1: see them on the boards around the on the stadium because those are still up. But otherwise, you haven't heard or seen anything, and no one's talking about it either. So it's like what we all heard what happened but that's a that's not a you know that's not just a big brand in the US that's a multinational corporation that yeah. we're talking about here.
0: A lot of people with a lot of money want it want it to be pretty hush hush and uh, yeah. I tell you what that's not good for the rest of us. Yeah. Anyways, that's going to do it for episode 55. Of course, you can check out uh, Jeff's work online at www.instamage.com. As always, would love to thank today's title sponsor. That is Double J Auto. Uh, you can find them online at www.doublejautoinv.com. You can find me on Twitter at Carter Eccle. That is E-C-K-L. Of course, please email in to me if there are things you want to hear us talk about or things you disagree about because I'm sure there's plenty of things that folks may not run on the same page as us right now. Uh, keep it civil, though. If it's, if it's outlandish, I'm not even going to look at it. I'll just delete it. So I get enough of those. As it is. Anyways, thanks for listening. This has been Behind the Bench, and we will catch you guys next week. Take it easy.